Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 161, The Physical Garden. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Lori Krieg. And sadly, I am not with my favorite licensed therapist, Argyle expert and my husband, Matt Krieg. Thank you, Matt, for watching those kids. You are such a good dude. Uh, but I do have the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi, guys. Uh, if you're hearing some disconnect between us, it's because we are in separate places. Gotta love shelter in place. Uh, we're still in it forever and ever and ever. But guys, today we are rolling out the red carpet for the guest portion of our new series on the gardens of relating. And if you're hearing that word, those that phrase, the gardens of relating, you don't know what I'm talking about. I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to the intro parts one and two. However, if you're listening and you're like me and you're like, no, I don't want to. I want to listen to this one. <laughs> then I'll give you a little backstory for you snarky people just like me. Um, but what are the gardens that we call the gardens of relating? They're different areas of our lives that we are to cultivate with God, the gardener, uh, alongside our co-gardener. That'd be your spouse if God's called us to marriage, but definitely whether we're called to singleness or marriage with the community around us. And the purpose, the big arc plot uh, purpose of this series is to help us to view life not strictly as a timeline. I think we can get so caught up in you're born, you go to college, you get married and you tithe and make babies and die. But instead of seeing it that way, let's look a little three-dimensionally. Let's see this life as a lush garden to cultivate with God, with our spouse, if God's called us into uh, marriage and in community. Now, uh, for the next seven weeks, we have themes uh, where we're going to unpack each of these gardens. We're going to dig deep, I don't know, insert like mud and gardening words, uh, but in each area of our life to cultivate with God. And I'm going to invite an expert to join us. And today, the expert gardener we've invited to talk about the physical garden is Sarah Young. Sarah, welcome. Thank you, Lori. I'm so excited to be here for this. We are so excited to have you. Now, she, Sarah, is newish. Like We've interacted at different points, uh, but to the circles of people I know and respect. Uh, but my respect level for her went way up when she taught at our church, which is called the local church here in Grand Rapids. Yes, the local church. Come join us um, on sex. She talked about sex. And when she talked, I was so, um, I just left saying she gets it. And it's not like I'm the standard of someone getting it. Give me a break. But it was just less about like, here's practical things. And here's how you connect with your spouse and blah, blah, blah. It was like big picture, yet it was practical. So I, and it was joyful and it wasn't awkward. So I appreciate that about you, Sarah. Thank you. Um, so she is going to talk today how we can cultivate and care for our physical selves with God, our spouse, and our community. Mm -hmm. Now about her, she is a licensed professional counselor for the last 10 plus years. Uh, how many years has it been now? I got that bio off of. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, 12. Okay, we're hitting 12, uh, but her specialty is intimacy issues and sex therapy, which what a gift you are. Oh my goodness. Matt was advised years ago, uh, someone we know and respect, she's like, there aren't many Christian sex therapists. So thank you for being who you are. Uh, but after serving in private practice with winning at home here in Holland, Michigan, about a half hour away from where we are now, she now works for focus on the family's hope restored marriage intensive team. And she and her husband, Lance have been married since 2003 and have three kids. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Okay. There's the backstory. Now let's dive in guys. We're skipping our question of the week. I'm sorry. Uh, we love hearing from you, but I want to really uh, spend some devoted time in this series, getting to know the expert and getting to know these different areas of our life. But we are going to stick with our tried and true question that we have asked every guest for the last 160 plus episodes, which it's this. Uh, if the gospel is, I am more loved than I imagine, and yet more sinful than I believe, when, Sarah, was the gospel first good news for you and how is it still? Mm, yes. So I, I, I was uh, blessed to grow up in the legacy of faith, grandparents and parents that love the Lord. And, um, but I really had space to take that in when I was 21 and out in Colorado for a summer. And there was a gentleman who's, he's on the wild at heart team and they're, um, you know, all about life and adventure and just the, the truth and the passion of God's heart. And there's a gentleman, I'm okay, a little backstory for me. So I'm six foot five. You wouldn't know that just from hearing my voice or seeing me sit here. But um, the enemy was really, really intentional with the narrative he wove into the attack on my femininity and my beauty. And I just owned some of that woundedness hook, line and sinker with um, wounds of rejection and feeling defective and um so I, I had a lot of a lot of ick built up into my my feminine self, my sexual self, um, so much, so many feelings of defeat. And um, this gentleman hauled me into his office, and he said to me one day, "You know, your height is such a part of your glory." I had mm. never never thought about it framed that way. I always thought it's this genetic mutation. I'm the outlier. I'm the odd one. Um, never as an intentional, on purpose part of God weaving my beauty in that way. Um, and in that moment, the unentangling that happened for what was lie and what was truth, it was huge for me. So that was the moment when I, I had new lenses to evaluate, wow, I'm really loved and, um, you know, had space to see where, where the brokenness and that woundedness was showing up and God just really moving, journeying, uh, with me over the last 20 years since that instance. And, um, it bringing such tremendous freedom and a confidence that goes beyond, um, you know, what the world usually defines as beauty. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful, loved and, um, a beautiful disaster, but very loved <laughs> in the midst of that. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. And you are six foot five and I definitely forgot that. And I, I want to ask 10 hundred questions right now about that, because I want to hear how God just like wove who you are, uh, through breaking through some of those lies and that wounding. Yeah. It's not that podcast today, but maybe we'll it's circle back to it when we talk about our physical selves. Let's maybe we will, but I, sure. yeah. I do want to hear how is the gospel good news for you today now in 2021? Today. Yeah. You know, I, in the most non-cliche way, God is still on the throne. Yeah. When I'm, when I'm talking with my kids about just the world as it is, I'm like, this isn't anything new to him. Mm. Um, uh, you know, look all over scripture. It's just, it's, you know, crazy after crazy after crazy. Um, and I, I tell my kids, you know, they're there. He has seen it. It's nothing new. And so that with the inner chaos, whether that's out in the world or inside my own head and heart, he is still God and he is still on purpose. And I, I, I believe that to the core of my being and mm -hmm. that brings peace and freedom and context and 
um, a place to wrestle that's safe. Because if I'm trying to do that with a newsreel, yeah, that's not safe. <laughs> so it's going me sideways. <laughs> yeah, so just staying grounded in, in that truth. That, that's where it's most real for me today. I love it. Okay. So again, guys, we're talking about the physical garden and really cultivating or caring for our physical selves just as individuals or in our marriage or and or with the church. So let's start with our single or solo self. Uh, If we are going to cultivate, so we're seeking to, you know, new new year, new me, whatever, but we want to care (laughs) for our physical selves. What does that look like and include? Like if you think about all the different areas of our physical selves, just at the Oh, grassroots. What is it? Sure. And I'm guessing this isn't going to be anything new to any of us because all the magazines, all the articles, all the blogs have a whole list that, um, you know, invest in these areas. And uh, but I think it starts not with the external behaviors as much as it does the internal heart behind it. Um, You know, if I am uh, choosing a relationship with food or water or exercise or sleep, um, And it's not driven by um, a desire to just care for my whole self well, but driven by I should, I should, I should, or, um, you know, that's going to, that's not sustainable long-term, definitely. Mm. Um, But if it's driven by, this is a way I can come alongside me and befriend myself well, so that I can show up my best self. It puts a different motivator behind those things. I mean, we've heard our whole lives about vegetables and enough water and you had to get this much sleep. Um, so it's taking it a couple levels deeper to um, the core of, of, of who I am and how it empowers me to show up well for me, for my marriage, for my family. Um, and, you know, that our sexual self isn't, um, isn't exempt from that at all. And some of that is an, is an awareness of, you know, what's going on with my body and how am I, how am I doing with that? Am I being really critical or am I being curious? Um, you know, I, uh, the, the beauty of replacing judgment with curiosity, even when it comes to my own self is, is huge. So, so in all those realms, um, you know, the, the, <laughs> I, I don't think it'll surprise anybody that if we try to take all this on at once, uh, that can get pretty overwhelming pretty fast. But if I'm making the next good choice with sleep, with what I'm eating, with taking a walk um, and being intentional in the next moment, that's going to be my best bet as opposed to a dramatic life overhaul. Mm. I love that. I love that. And and that kindness that I hear, I think that's such a gift yeah. that therapists bring <laughs> to the body of Christ is like, let's not judge it. Let's be kind and curious about it. It's such, I'm like, yes. Okay. That's good. Um, okay. When it comes to our sexual selves, and I would like to yeah. hear more about single people and sexuality. Um, there's, at least it's been talked about more. I know like Julie Slattery and her team at Authentic Intimacy have been trying to do that more. Um, I know there's books written on it, but if someone's listening, you know, often the draw to listen to our podcast begins at something related to sexuality or, you know, we feature yeah. guests that they love, but Absolutely. how, how should they view their sexual selves? Like, I mean, like, okay, if I'm called to celibacy, how how do I view this thing? Okay. So often people 
limit my sexual self to whether or not I am having sex. And that's Mm. far too small. I mean, we are at our core sexual beings. God was really intentional in how he did that. And so it's not a less than if somebody isn't engaged in sexual activity, because my sexual self doesn't just show up there. It shows up through my femininity. It shows up through my husband Lance's masculinity. And so there's a there's a social sexuality that I live into every day mm-hmm. with every person that I come into contact with. So me bringing my full feminine self and the, everything that I am when I am my best self to relationships. God has designed beauty to be inspiring and safe and nurturing and all kinds of things and strength to be dangerous and tender. And um, so there's that, there's that social sexual element that happens in community and really good, safe community. Um, So if we limit it to um, what am I doing with my genitals, you know, that's going to keep me stuck in a box that isn't helpful Mm. um, because it's so much bigger than just the act of sex. Mm, It so is. So I love that, but Sarah, culture doesn't say that. (laughs) Culture is obsessed with sex and about it's your, it's both nothing. It's like something you can just whatever do, engage, watch porn, do whatever you want. And yet it's everything, you know, if you're not doing it, you're the worst. So can you talk to that soul that's listening? That's like, I'm trying to be faithful, but I'm not going to lie. Instagram's loud. (laughs) Oh, huge, huge. And you know, the, the, (laughs) this goes so counter to everything the enemy has stolen and killed and destroyed and distorted. And the, the lies entrenched in what sex is supposed to mean for my value Mm -hmm. as a human, it's just suffocating. It is. And you don't have to go looking for porn. Porn comes looking for you. And so the, the, the bumping into that reality, it's happening dozens, hundreds of times a day for some of us. And, you know, constantly measuring that standard of beauty and um, it's exhausting. It absolutely is exhausting. Um, So really slowing down and examining what is really, what is some of my narrative on sex? What am I telling myself? What am I believing? Um, Because I choose to be faithful to to X, Y, or Z. Um, I can do that. That is a place God has invited me to because I'm safe there. It's not about restriction. When I choose celibacy, it's about freedom. I totally have freedom to go the other way too. But God's like, hey, I didn't design you to feel regret, shame. I didn't design you to feel taken advantage of, used. I want to protect you from that. So this is about your freedom, not about your restriction. So different than what the world is dreaming. So So it's slowing down and grounding in that truth. Um, And yeah, so there's, there's that reality of sexual arousal. And what do I, I don't, where do I go with that? And, you know, those are, those are really appropriate questions to take to the heart of God, because, you know, when kids were 14 in the Bible, they were getting married. They had a place to take those sexual <laughs> urges. And some of us are 20s, 30s, 40s and beyond, not having anywhere to go as an outlet that feels safe. Yep. So that can be really hard. That can be hard. 
Well, and I just want to speak as a married sister in Christ, just looking at our single friends, um, or if you're married and you're having a tough time connecting sexually right now, and you're wondering how to engage your own sexuality, and you're in a season of celibacy, whatever it is, mm-hmm. I yep. just, I have tears in my eyes no matter what, because I, you guys are such a beautiful picture of telling the world this much, oh God, I long for you. And that yeah. your even desire speaks to us, just like how, you know, when we engaged sexually with our spouses, if God's called us to marriage, like we tell them and we show an eternal picture of what we're going to experience and have an ugly Um, yeah. You guys in this fasting and this waiting, you show us how worth Jesus is, how worth it is to take your longing to be wholly filled, uh, that, that it will be filled in heaven. So I just want to thank you guys who are committed to Christ for showing us a picture of eternity. Um, this, my, this curious little bee in my head keeps poking at me. And I have to ask this, Sarah, when you were in your own journey, you know, now I'm kind of going back to away from sexuality necessarily as our single set Mm -hmm. solo selves. But when, if I'm just picturing the listener right now, maybe looking down at their body and like, okay, I'm still new year, new me, or me, all right, I should go back to running. And they're kind of hating themselves into a new sense of like liking themselves, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Actually kind of that. Um, right. When you are doing your own soul work, accepting your body and who God made, can you just let us in a little bit more on that journey? Because I just have a sense it could help someone listening who maybe is trying to hate themselves into liking themselves. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to pretend that I have arrived anywhere. It is still a daily conversation with myself and, uh, it sounds, uh, you know, you mentioned that counselors and their kindness, but <laughs> it, it sounds cliche, but you know, I can choose to be kind or I can choose to be critical. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it, big picture, I celebrate that my chest is saggy because I had babies and my boobs got huge. And then <laughs> now they're like, not as they were at one point, um, you know, there's uh there are realities about, my thighs and my rear end that I I could just give you a laundry list of all the things, right? When I get stuck there, I don't have space to celebrate what is here. Mm -hmm. And that this is, this is the, the, the body that I can give to my husband. And it's, it's where it is right now. And he said to me the other day, he said, do you realize that every time I I make a comment on the beauty of your body, you give a disclaimer, like, yep, I'm my doughy COVID self or yep. gotten Fluffier over there. And I said, I didn't even realize I had no idea I was doing that. And so, you know, I'm recognizing the the ways I try to protect myself. Um, But I heard somebody say once, I I have to grieve who I'm not so I can celebrate who I am. I mean, that can, that can go in a lot of different realms, but when I grieve what my body isn't, there's room to celebrate what it is and what it can do. And Mm. yeah, maybe I don't like the way that my thighs look, but man, I can get out and go for a walk. Mm. I can wrestle the dog down in the kitchen. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I can, hold my kids. I can feel the warmth of my husband's body next to mine. You know, there, I have this body and there's so many things that it can do. And when I befriend it, instead of villainize it, 
um, there, there's just more possible that brings joy and contentment and gratitude. And I'm not, I don't frost over the places that I struggle, but holding those in balance, yeah. um, it, it's so much more helpful than, okay, well, I'm just going to try to shame myself into shape because again, that's just not sustainable. I love that because it's not like your body is a perfect wonderland that's a hundred percent perfect. Cause then you're like, well, there's going to be that little question. You're like, well, but I know that's a lie. So I know I'm lying to myself. Yeah. So it's this yeah. sense of yeah. acceptance and love of self. We, we mentioned in last uh, week's episode about a quote from Kurt Thompson that he said, when you focus on the problem, your brain just starts shutting down. It doesn't want to yeah. even do anything. But when you look on how can we create it wakes up yeah. to this possibility. So even what you're saying, if you just hate yourself or just stare at the bad things, it's holding that intention. It's like, all right, body, here's what you can do. I can wrestle the dog. Yeah. I can go for a walk and I can thank my body, which sounds weird, but it is very good. It's a good practice. It is, yeah. It, it makes a difference because it's, it, it shifts. Yeah. It shifts my head, my perspective, my lens on myself versus being critic. I love that. My critic, she is not nice. So she may. She mean. All right. We're going to move into just still talking about this cultivation of our physical selves and move into married life. And if you guys are single and listening, um, shocking amount of you really do want to hear what married people talk about. And when it comes to sex, et cetera, because it just makes it more real life as opposed to just a ethereal yeah. thing way over there. And I actually yeah. want to start right where you talked about at uh, our church and you, you talked about, one area, massive area that couples can get stuck in when it comes to having sex and talking. Can you talk about yeah. that? Absolutely. So, you know, I, it's unfortunate when couples find them in, in a space where, hey, we're going to smush these body parts together, but we're not going to communicate about it because that's embarrassing. <laughs> Um, it just leaves us in a really unfortunate place of mind reading or assuming or, um, you know, starting to get resentful because of we, we can't talk about it. And um, so developing language around sexual interactions, sexual desires, sexual difficulties, that's a ton of what I do when I'm, when I'm working with couples in sex therapy is how do we talk about this? And there are safe ways to do that hmm. um you know we, when sex kind of can seem like the be all end all of marriage and it's it, it, it's just not it's a really sacred place um but it is the place where nakedness and the risk of shame versus feeling unashamed it is pretty loud. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a big part of what makes it difficult is people feel so much shame because they assume the rest of the world is having, you know, amazing sex. Everybody else, right. we're, we're the couple that's the exception. What's wrong with us? And mm -hmm. some of that goes with the, the narrative that the church has shown too, that, you know, you're promised all these things if you're faithful. And then when that doesn't happen, especially for, for Christ followers, it can be really hard. Um, so it's, it's a complex world to try to untangle. Hmm. I just need to restate that because there's such kindness. Again, it's kind of a sub theme here of just being honest that, okay, you mash your bodies together and yet you're uncomfortable talking about what right. happened. 
or what you want. <laughs> like, you guys, can we just be honest that that's a little odd? And Matt mm-hmm. and I, for as honest as we are, uh, you can read about it in our book. <laughs> um, it's There's still this little, not, you know, happy little bee asking curious questions. There's this like negative one that's like, no, Matt's going to reject you this time. You shouldn't say that. Don't talk yes. about it. It's too hard. He's going to, st- I don't know. You right. turn them, you villainize them. And then the spirit in me is like, no, say the sentence because I don't want that resentment. I don't want yeah. those tiny little sh- like shards, like, oh, whatever. I'll just ignore it. But that shard, then all of a sudden the next time, you know, you're engaging each other physically, right. that shard has become a knife. And you're like, actually, I hate you. Can you actually just leave? For sure. So how do you engage if a couple right now is listening um, and they're like, okay, I, you know, I'm sorry, guys, we are focusing on sex part of marriage right now and we want to have balance here, but I just feel like this is needed. But if a couple is listening, an individual in a marriage is listening and they're like, I know that there's a little shard or that's maybe turned into a dagger. Okay. Now it's too far gone. And now they're drowning in shame. How, how can they start the sex talk for lack of a better term? Right. So surprisingly, it starts me with me, not me with my spouse and me again, slowing down and really figuring out what's going on for me. Um, You know, so there's kind of the, there's kind of the 10%. If you think of an iceberg, there's a 10% above the waterline that we can see like, well, um, this behavior is happening, or I feel ignored over here or this or this. Um, a, A lot of that will often go to what my spouse isn't doing. But me slowing down with me and, okay, so what is that leaving me with? Okay, I'm feeling insecure. I'm feeling rejected. I'm really longing for safety. I'm really longing for closeness and partnership. I'm longing to be pursued. You know, that's the stuff under the waterline that we often miss when we're trying to figure out who's wrong and who's right and whose fault is it and what really happened. And I'm so slowing down with my own heart first. And that's where intimacy with God is so precious when I can't figure out intimacy with my spouse and intimacy isn't just limited to sex. You know, that's, that's all levels of intimacy. We can get to that in a minute, but me letting God into this place where this is really, really hurting. And can you just be with me here? Just be with me before I try to figure out what to do. Can we just name that this matters and that it's not what I wanted. And I want to come into this conversation with my spouse from a well-cared-for and well-loved place, not a reactive place. Because when I'm reactive, that's going to bring defensiveness. It's going to bring shutting down. It's going to bring, you know, some animosity. So I want to come into the conversation cared for well, me Mm. with God. And then when it comes to us, I never recommend that couples have these conversations 60 seconds after sex is over. (laughs) This is a better conversation to have, like, at the kitchen table, with a cup of tea, if the kids are at grandma's, you know, and, and coming into a really prepared and uh, committed to like, this is about our team. And if we're stuck, we want to try to get unstuck. So if a couple isn't in a spot where they just can't have a conversation without a, a counselor, because it's just too, too thick and too thorny, that's a great place to start is, okay, what, what's going on for me around sex? What are some things that are, um, that kind of uh, get me get me in a direction where it's it's feeling like a good idea. What are some things that slow me down? And you know, the culture would call those turn ons and turn offs. There's all kinds of language you can put around that, and that's another fun thing too is developing language together. Um, 
but this starts to open safety for the conversations. Hmm. And, you know, at, at that kitchen table, inviting the Lord to be in it with you. God, can you give us harmony here? Can you give us compassion for one another in these places that are just, we're really cautious to talk about because he is, he is so for you and for us to find connection here. I love that. And I love even the caution encouragement that you gave to really like that intimacy with your spouse uh, starts with intimacy with God. And I know, again, this is a, our worst moments with Matt and I, I'm like, well, why can't I just say whatever I want? And then he can just chill. <laughs> like, why does he have to get reactive? Cause you mentioned all that can bring defensiveness. So I'm like, well, he shouldn't be defensive. And it's mm. so self-centered. It's so it's no, Lori, you are responsible for you. And as, and as much as it depends on you live at peace with everyone. So get to that heart place out of love for God and love for Matt, who is not my enemy. Your spouse is mm-hmm. not your enemy. And then that will even empower you to, okay, I want to do this heart work so that we can have a conversation. Even if they do react X, Y, Z, you're responsible for right. you, but then that yeah. will even make you want to do what you just said that inviting the Holy spirit into that place of prayer. Um, you're going to want that because you're already, okay, I, you're not my enemy. I'm good with God. Let's, let's find common ground here. Yeah. I, yeah. Someone asked a question in the last week about what is the ultimate form of intimacy? And I can't yeah. stop thinking about it because so much of the whole wide world is like sex is the ultimate form of intimacy. This is it. And then it, once you get married, it's like all roads are bids for sex, <laughs> like clean the kitchen, you know, having a cup. Oh, well, we had a date. Here we are. You know, like help us. <laughs> Will you help us understand what, like, what is ultimate intimacy? <laughs> Sounds like a video game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so um, the, let me debunk that right away. That sex is the, is the ultimate. It's, it's a great place to experience intimacy, but it's a byproduct of investment in five other realms of intimacy Ooh. between a husband and a wife. So we have, we have like a relational intimacy. That's just us being friends, having inside jokes, um, being friends, being buddies, yeah. being friends. I can't say that enough because yes. so many couples have lost their friendship. So the relational investment, it's, it starts there with a curiosity about each other. If I assume I have 20 years of Lance Young in my head. So if I assume that I know him and I stop being curious about who he's becoming, uh, bummer for me, there's always more to know, to be curious about with this man. And that, that can happen in friendship. Then there's a mental intimacy, you know, just the business of doing life and kids and schedules and just knowing that about one another. Because intimacy truly is knowing and being deeply known. That's what intimacy is. So, yeah, on a mental level, the business of doing life, the emotional intimacy. How do I feel about all that stuff? And this is where if there are men listening, you know, like all feelings, um, not to be stereotypical, maybe some women too, but um, feelings are just another source of information. It's data about how I am experiencing the world. So sharing fears and disappointments, longings, um, all those things that that's a really intimate, vulnerable gift to give to your spouse, helping them know you. We have the spiritual intimacy. Absolutely. We have three journeys going on there. We have my journey with God, his journey with God and our journey with God and just conversation and connection there. Um, and then out of connection in those four realms, then 
oftentimes the physical is just a byproduct. You know, that's the thing that's easiest for us to see on the whole spectrum, whether it's affection to everything from sexual connection. That's the easiest to see. And again, the loudest place will probably experience naked and shamed or unashamed. Um, but all of these other things bring the richness. Absolutely. Um, so knowing and being known um, in a way that is safe and celebrated all of that contributes to the ultimate experience of intimacy. And unfortunately, as great as it can be with my husband, it's not going to be there. There'll be really great stuff there, That's, but that's not where it's going to be. It's going to be my oneness, my connection, my intimacy with the Lord. And, and sex is supposed to be a picture of that, right? Mm. You think about this. Um, so... A man rises up, woman spreads wide to enter her, and they they have this this oneness, this knowing and being known. That's just a picture. That's that's a picture on this side of heaven of what it's meant to be with Christ. Christ rose up in strength and wants to enter me. It's a really vulnerable thing for me to think about. Just like whoa, God, really? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> He wants that that oneness, that closeness. Um, so that, that is where the ultimate experience of intimacy truly is. Hmm. And she's also not lying. <laughs> like what you're saying, the ultimate, I think single people, married people, like, it's like, well, whatever, but isn't it actually sex? Nope. It's not. It's not. Because sex is a picture. It's a metaphor. It really yep. is a hair. It's a breath of what we're going to experience in eternity. And again, the absence of the physical for our dear single friends of physical sexual encounters, that fasting, that celibacy, I I can't not cry because it is Mm -hmm. so heaven speaking. You guys preach to us and we Mm -hmm. hopefully in our 24 seven dying to self, loving each other, gospel picture. I pray we preach to you. Yeah. So church community, as we're talking about cultivating our physical selves, like, does the church have anything to do with this? Like, I, I guess I just, how does that relate? If we're talking about, you know, cultivating this physical world, you got yourself and then you have your spouse, but like, do I really want to let the church in this world, whether it's sexual, you know, how does that work? Right. So I think what the, the church is designed to be community in its best form, right? And there are those of us that have experienced that. And there's a, there are those of us that haven't and have actually been really, really wounded hmm. by um, disappointment in a church community. So the church's role, I think, is to speak life and encouragement to sexual issues. That's part of the reason I was drawn to sex therapy. It's because I, 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 in so many instances, I saw that the church just did not handle sexual brokenness or sexual struggle well. Hmm. Um, um, it's kind of, you know, big eyes and just, well, um, so I, I God's <laughs> narrative. That's so true. Is, Sorry. The big eyes yeah. and, well, <laughs> I'll pray for you. The amount of times yeah. I've gotten that. Oh, Lord. Oh, have. my gosh. <laughs> God, God's, God's heart in this is to be redemptive. And Jesus's promise of, I've come that you may have life, life to the fullest. That includes in everything that is your sexual self. Mm. And, and, and your sex life. And so community that can uh, provide safe conversation and safe support and, um, you know, in t- okay, here's, 
So often we try to figure out like, what do I do with the reality of orgasm or the lack of sex? Because culture has told us that um, orgasm, sex, that'll fix everything. Well, that's just using sex to get relief for something. Mm. Um, Sex wasn't designed for that. So if the church can stand behind also what, what sex is, is really about, um, you know, it's meant to be the super glue between a husband and a wife, all the other stuff. It's, it's just noise. It really is just noise, but how do I care for my heart and validate the struggle in the midst of the noise? How do I take on my own, my own battle, my own journey, my own questions, frustrations, hesitancies, have to have a safe place to do that. And and hopefully that's how we show up as a church for everyone, our friends who are single, our friends who are married, um, wherever our community finds themselves. Mm. If a pastor is listening is like, how do I do that? (laughs) So we're going to have a sex club. No, just kidding. Like, how is it just like, let's do good preaching and teaching from the stage and then being intentional in small group. Like how do you have any, do you have any ideas? Yeah. So I I think it's just not being afraid of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And so often I think people haven't sat with themselves in their own sexual narratives first people in leadership, people, um, you know, who, who teach to others in the church or preach, maybe haven't necessarily sat with their own sexual self and figured out what it's about for them. So then some of those sexual conversations can be really scary. And there's a default of what the narrative has been, unfortunately, with the church. So often it's been don't, don't, don't or submit, submit, submit neither of which are life-giving in any way, shape, or form. It's just a behavior context. And it's a heart issue. Sex stuff is always a heart issue. Hmm. So I'd I'd start with getting comfortable with your own sexual narrative. And if you're not figuring out what that's about and empowering um, yourself and other good leaders in your church to just be available, to just be available. Hmm. That's so good. And hopefully... That education, you know, even listening to our podcast, um, I pray that that is something that uh, helps us to be more comfortable with these conversations. And then, you know, not being scared talking about whether it's LGBT or marriage or sex or, you know, inviting you come talk on our stage. But um, hopefully that will prevent those moments, you know, I joke about what I've had so many times where it's like, oh boy, I'll pray for you. So yes, pray for me, but also pray for yourself. And let's get real here. (laughs) Um, Last question for you. If someone is listening and, you know, there are moments of encouragement as they were listening to this interview, um, but they're just looking down at their body, you know, this podcast almost done. All right, maybe I should go do something, but they're still in this place of cursing their body and in their sexuality, even whether married or single, what's a blessing you would speak over them or an encouragement you'd speak over them? Oh, I would love to tell you that you are seen and celebrated by the one who created you, whether you're in that spot of seeing and celebrating right now or not, he is. Mm. And that, that trumps where we're stuck. And God is a gentleman. He is about invitation and he calls you to the same invitation of kindness with yourself, 
um, investment in a way that's nourishing, but not ever from a place of condemnation or should. So starting with recognizing like, okay, what's God's voice versus what's culture's voice? What's the enemy's voice trying to keep me stuck? That's so good. Because it can sound different. It can sound different in how I talk to myself. That's so good, Sarah. I love it. Sarah, if someone's listening and is wondering a book they should pick up that maybe was instrumental for you or that you recommend um, either about sexuality or about their physical bodies or about heart stuff, where, should, where would you yeah. tell them to, to start either a site or a book? Yeah. So there's a book. It's a, it's an oldie, but a goodie. It's called a celebration of sex by Doug Rosenau, R O S E N A U. Um, and that is just a, for the entire, um, sexual journey that I'll have in my life. This is great. Talks about medical issues, orgasmic issues, communication issues, God's sexual emergency room. But what I love about it is the first two, three chapters are all on that um, biblical metaphor and God's heart for this and that it's good. And it's just so inviting, so validating. So that that is my standalone favorite version for newlyweds. They have a version for um, celebration of sex after 50 for people that are more in the throes of menopause and medical issues and aging and things. And um, I found that to be really, really helpful. Awesome. Man, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your heart and mind and just your story with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Blessings to you, all of you who've been listening and to you and Matt as well, Lori. This has been great. Thank you so much. Man, guys, so we will have uh, some links on our site to some books that Sarah recommends and uh, that we recommend to just continue this conversation. If you're curious about this whole gardens series uh, and learning more about it and you haven't listened to uh, the intro one and two, go back and do that or you can grab our Impossible Marriage book. And if that's not scratching the itch, we're actually doing events now, uh, Impossible Marriage events. But for those of you who are single, I think you'd benefit some from what we're talking about there because it's really this whole garden oneness mountain thing come to life with hopefully some entertaining Matt and me back and forth and really practical filling out quizzes, et cetera, stuff. So if you're interested in that, you can check our site, uh, lauricreek.com or impossiblemarriage.com lead to the same place. Uh, but if you have any questions on this or you want us to engage some other areas, hit me up at LK at lauricreek.com and uh, we'll see what kind of answers we can give you. Okay, thanks again to Sarah Young for joining us and sharing so much with us today. And for all of us here at the Hold My Heart podcast, guys, we'll see you next week. <laughs>